Hello there, and welcome to a Dungeons and Dragons role-playing podcast. My name is Stacy, and I'm the DM. So come with me and my good friend Mick. Join us in our weekly discussion about our campaign. Listen to our successes and failures while trying to flex our role-playing muscle. The funny bits, the dumb bits, and the all-round good time that comes with this great activity. The cast is Eldrum, a male Asmar warlock with his pixie-familiar Sill. The affable Mick, who plays Calidus Magnus Lunior, a male elf-marked wizard. Saber, the binary gear-forged paladin, whose maker had a sense of humor when placing his soul gem. And the charming Oraki, hailing from the Kuru tribe of Dabu, a female Knoll cleric following a vision. The campaign setting is the Southlands from Cobalt Press. We're using the D&D 5e rule set and we game using the Fantasy Grounds virtual tabletop. So that's the cast. That's the campaign. Now, welcome to the show. You can say that the start of this episode is a plug for the Behringer XR18 digital mixer and Fantasy Grounds VTT. Now, these two tech tools can be used to really help make the roleplay experience more immersive by automating audio effects and ambient sounds which help increase the suspension of belief. In this episode we play some catch-up. We chat about what happened in two sessions instead of the regular one session. Armed with the second rhyme, confident after negotiating with Abdul Haq, can the Grey Company solve the rhyme's puzzle? When the chips are down, the newest member, Oraki, has a flash of insight. Saber and Oraki submerge into the river of sand. The river's strong current and a touch of clumsiness threaten to pull them into oblivion. An entrance is found, shaped like a cat's eye. Here, the sand winds and moves on a cobbled floor where there is no wind. Enter a cylindrical room filled with mummified corpses and a lone pedestal. Elbrum detects strong magics about, but surely this must be a trap. Saber tries to machine talk with the mummies, and Calidus, Calidus lets fly with a witch bolt. What has the Grey Company found? Is it treasure? Could it be power? Maybe answers? Or death? Cutscene. The Grey Company finds themselves back in their tent in the refugee camp. Where's their slave Daryl? He's not returned. Uh-oh. Calidus's box has gone missing. Now wipe off the dirt, have a shower, get dressed. The pallid court ball is about to start. Go to a ball, donate some blood, schmooze. What could possibly go wrong? Is that the Vizier Panshar? And, oh my goodness, there's the Lady Alashra. Do you want to know more? Then sit back, stay tuned, and enjoy. Okay, once again, I'm here with Mick. It's a, a new week. He's fresh back off of his boat. We're also going to talk about some of the new things that we've done to try to make things more interesting to that end. We'll get into the story in a minute, but first we wanted to talk about 
a digital mixer and what does a digital mixer do to make the session or the campaign more immersive. So I was a last week was an intense bit of work on my end to, to get the digital mixer working so that you could have ambient music, you could have sound effects and then, and that's, that's the ambient music and sound effects are to tie in with fancy grounds. But then on top of that is when the DM is playing an NPC and the NPC is a goblin or something like this, and you want to just immediately change their voice. Of, of course, the GM can change their voice, but changing their pitch and really changing their pitch is a challenge. But using a mixer, walk in the park, walk in the park. Yep. That's so what we, happened we, this we last brought, session. Yes, we brought together two things, ancient rock and roll and current technology. Yeah, ancient rock and roll tech brought it into Dungeons and Dragons through the virtual tabletop environment. And I don't know, what did you think, Mick? How, how did it work out there when all of a sudden when the little pixie started talking to Elbrum? Well, well as someone who was around in the, in the dark ages of rock and roll, where everything was analog and everything was challenging and different, uh, difficult, this was to say it exceeded expectations would be an understatement. This is a, is a quantum leap, I think, in terms of being a DM. And we, we have not begun to explore the, the list of possible effects because the effects that, that you currently have are only the effects that you would expect to get in the, musical uh, industry. the music industry. Yeah. They are not the effects that you would expect to get in theatre. Yeah, and, and what I understand too is there, with this, tip, this digital mixer, there is a whole, I've seen it, I haven't looked into it in depth, but I've seen there's a whole bunch of plugins that a person can yes. get to add a bunch of different effects. And I think that's, that's, the, that's the next step. Yeah. So now that it's set up, now that, you know, we've tried it in a couple of sessions, it's going pretty good. Like I, I, I mean, I had fun the other day. I brought, I brought you guys into, so this is with regard to our session last week. We or sorry, a couple of days ago, we ended up going into a room just off the ballroom. And so I had you guys in the ballroom I had some ballroom ambient music in there and it's nice. You could just drop the fader down or bring it up so you could hear that, that background music in play. And then you guys went into a soundproof room that you were taken into that room by, by one of the vampires. And as soon as they close the door, background music drops off. And when the NPC comes in, there's a room reverb uh, sound effect that you can put on it. So all of a sudden when I'm talking, I'm using a female's voice. Now that's just me making a female's voice sound, but the reverb, the digital mixer adds that in. So all of a sudden it sounds like you're in a small room yep. and your, your voice is bouncing off the walls. So that's fun. I mean, I think that that adds more to it and that you can do it like that quick is really, really important. Yeah. The pitch changes that, that are available just make a, a massive difference. And when we think of some of the voices, Daryl, our wonderful little slave that we've got, yep. although he's disappeared, his voice, I'm pretty sure when it comes back, is going to be one of those unique voices. Well, so like the voice of someone who's been sucking on helium for all of their life. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the neat thing is too is with this mixer is that it, it gives you four sound effects channels that you can do where you can basically turn off, mute the input, the regular talking input voice, and then you unmute the FX that will add, you know, a high pitched sound. So it sounds like Daryl, the cobalt, but what you can also do is 
you, you don't, you aren't really actually limited. You have 18 channels to work with. And so those four are dedicated outside of those 18 for sound effects. But what you can do is you can take some of those 18 channels and tie them to other sound effects as well. So you can actually have more than just those four to add on. And so, I mean, eventually you're going to get there. Just, it's still a huge yeah, learning for, process. For each channel that you've got, you can allocate four sound effects to it, which yeah. means that you can then set up a, a channel for each particular character, each NPC. So yeah. you've got 18 NPCs. It's just then a case of turning the channel on or off. Yeah. And all of a sudden you've got the voice. So but, channel one becomes the DM and channel two becomes Daryl and channel three becomes the vampire. But the thing is too, is, is, is what I recognize is, and I'm sitting there thinking about this was that creating a channel for every NPC's voice, not really going to do that. What I think is if you're talking with a, a goblin, goblins will tend to have a higher pitch voice. So for me, I modulate my voice but I'll add the, the FX pitch to, yeah. to change it so it sounds. So at least then, even within that pitch range, my voice will still sound different if I'm talking as a goblin female or a goblin male, or even if yeah. I'm trying to make it as a husky goblin yeah. male. So to that end, then you could you have the option of doing multiple channels for multiple yeah. voice types. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the options are fairly limitless. And yeah. from what we've seen just today, the interface between a, an Android tablet and a PC a lot of this comes down to what is the interface going to be. The, the PC option gives you a much easier visual picture yeah. and a much faster way of changing yeah. than a tablet does. Well, and, and that's, to me, just experimenting with what the Android and the PC is, it's very clear to me that an Android is something that you would be using when you're out, out on site, you're live, yeah. and you just need to tweak something real quick. But it, it, yeah, and that's what it was designed for. It was yeah. designed for going out and setting up an event. For a band, for an for event, band, yeah. yeah. And, the, and the PC sort of gives you this whole raft of stuff that yeah. you can, you can yeah. do in-house. Which um, it, 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 it now begs the question is, do you sort of have a dedicated PC just to run your audio? And yeah, well, you know. And how many screens do you need? At the end of the day, when it comes down to things like dealing with computers and crashing and how often that stuff does, I mean, you start thinking that, yeah, it'd be kind of nice to have but, you know, not there yet. I mean, run a, a few sessions now with, with everything working together and it's worked together pretty good. So, interesting yeah, when you look that. at the, like, if you look at, I was looking the other day for my son for a computer and you can buy a PC for 400 bucks. And when you think about what this is doing, yeah. all the work is being done by the mixer. So yeah. you can do this with a really low That's level right. PC. So to set this up, a digital mixer, and I must say the digital mixers, yeah, they are expensive, but you can then have a cheap PC Yep. A dedicated, you know, eight-inch screen would be heaps more than new. Yep. And then you can run the game on your main. Yeah, and I mean, screen. looking at the standard resolution that shows up for for interfacing with the mixer, I mean, it's not. It it's doesn't take wild. a lot. Yeah, it doesn't take a lot of screen real estate. So it's not no. like you need to have a 1080p screen or something. Yeah, crazy I think it's that it's all been. You know, they've they've done a good job. I mean, they've yeah. really done a good job. And and of course, I'm using the Linux version of these things, so. From what I understand, the, the the Mac version and the Windows version are a much cleaner look and feel because they spend more development time on those ones. Yeah. But the Linux one, it, the feature-wise, it does the same thing because the mixer does the work. The interface on the computer is just the graphical side of it. Yeah. It just gives you just the ability to tweak that stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I think that it was really fun being able to have a sound effect so if you come into devils or demons or, or these type will tend to have that really husky deep voice 
with, no, a, with an so, echo, a nice echo on it. With a nice echo on it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or you slow it way, way down yes. so that you know that you're like, what did he say? And it's like, I'm not sure. Yeah, you really got to concentrate. It does, so, it does, from a player point of view, it does bring a new level. I noticed, I wasn't expecting it. So yeah. I just come back, got off a boat, and then all of a sudden I get hit with these voices. And, it, and the first thing is, what the hell was that? Yeah, and, I, I, and that was my intent because I was really hoping you would show up, that you'd be yeah. around. You can't be lazy. Like yeah. You can't just sit back there. You have to pay attention because when you get thrown this new voice, it's, oh, hang on a minute, there's a, another voice and another voice. So you get used to the people that you're playing with. You're playing in a, with a group of four people and a DM. You only have to recognize um, you know, three players and a DM, and that's fine. I can sit there and do yeah. that all day. Yeah. But when you throw this into the mix, then all of a sudden it becomes, oh, hang on. He's got five NPCs, so I've never listened to nine different voices. Yeah. Become accustomed to those. Yeah. And then... And well, the, the nice thing, too, that I really like... Now, I know changing the voice, like just doing without any mixing at all, I do concentrate on what I'm trying to do to get my, my voice to work that way. And when I'm doing that, I mean, what ends up happening is it... I'm not a multitasker. Uh, multitasking is really, really tough. And if I have to multitask, please make it as simple as possible. So what I find now is that, for example, when Sil was talking and, and responding to whatever Elbrum was saying, it wasn't difficult now because now it's just me really listening to Elbrum and it's like really thinking, well, how will Silhouette respond to that? Because yeah. once you've set up the, the yeah. voice, once you've pressed the button, yeah, the then, is, once you've pressed the two buttons that you need to press, yeah. that's the amount of multitasking that's involved. Yeah, it's, it's, just a, it's just really quick. Okay, he's having a conversation with Sil now. So... Uh, I'll switch to the high pitch, the high pitch sound. I focus on what he's trying to say, and then I really think, okay, she's playful, she's a pixie. What she's running amok, I think. Was yeah, part she of was what do, went doing wrong. some pranking. <laughs> well, and that was the thing too is like I didn't have opportunity in other sessions that okay, you've had silhouette with you guys now for a couple of sessions, and I didn't really have much opportunity for her to to really be involved with you guys, mostly because you guys were in the bloody sanctuary battling it out, but this time. But not having to multitask, though, not having to concentrate on getting the pitch right and getting the voice right means that you can now, in the past, silhouette conversations were quite, or silhouette interactions were really short. Yeah. And that, again, from my point of view, is, is a function of the fact that you've got to think of what she's doing and keep your voice there at the same time. The, the interactions were much longer yeah. in the last game. Yeah. And they also felt much freer. They just felt... Easy going. They felt natural. Yeah. So silhouette has now, you know, the NPC by virtue of the technology now becomes an easier character to play. Well, and then you can spend more time or you're faster at figuring out what the response is going to be and what the reaction is going to be and how it's going to go. Well, and that's the good thing. Like, for example, I have really one voice that I do for females because coming up with different female voices is a challenge. Like uh, the one time we tried, I tried doing an, uh, a Southern Bell accent and, that was a challenge, but it takes a, a lot of concentration. Now I just use standard female thing, throw on the sound effects, and I don't need to think about it. Well, and if we yeah. now, if, if we now consider what you can get in terms of just the GPS in your car, yeah, uh, what voice would you like? Oh, true, true, uh, true. Even true, the true. add-ins that are available, and we yeah. haven't researched them yet. Yeah. But if the add-ins are available that do that, then it really does. It really will become as simple as. Press a button. And press a button. a southern bell. What key yeah. would you like that voice in? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Make it, please. Make that F sharp, please. Um, yeah. One of the things we should, I mean, we could do the blatant 
plug now and say thank you, Behringer, for the wonderful XR18. Oh, yes. That is the digital mixer, the Behringer XR18. But given that people are listening to this, we should point out that digital mixers aren't all the same. This particular digital mixer is a Behringer XR18, and it has the functionality to do to a USB, which means that you can record 18 channels to a to a, piece of software. They call, yeah, they call it a DAW, the software that allows you to yeah. do the, the digital mixing after in post. So yeah, it, that, that that's at the bottom end of at the bottom end of this, you will get the functionality to record only two channels. Yeah, and that was one of the key things that, yeah. that was one of our choices. In terms of everything else that it gives, it just it, it really is just how many channels do you get? Yeah. But the recording was a bit of functionality. That yeah, and I mean, was going yeah, this. I mean, we we were thinking specifically about having five microphones connected to this thing for five different players yeah. that are going to be involved, plus the DM, and then post production stuff, and then potentially post production. But looking at what's possible now, it's just like, wow! As long as you understand how to tie channels together and do the routing and use your USBs as inputs as well. So you got your, your your microphone inputs, and you're bringing music from your computer through the USB as inputs and on separate channels. Yeah, then you just mix that stuff out and throw it. And whether you're going into Discord or putting yeah. it into some speakers or a PA system, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's just a whole new way of looking at what you can do at the table. If you're doing this tabletop, I mean, it's real overkill for the tabletop, but it adds stuff there. For the virtual table, where you're online with people everywhere, I think, think I gave you a big surprise. It comes into its own. I, yeah. yeah, it was. I was absolutely floored. I had an expectation. Of the, I went away knowing that you had the box sitting on your table, and I had an expectation of, of coming back. And, yes, you would have unwrapped the box and you would have had a play with it. I did not expect it to be in play, and certainly didn't expect that it would be anywhere near as impressive as it was. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I so enjoyed it. And, and everybody I, is, and everybody that was playing was like gobsmacked about yeah. where did this come from? How does that work? What have you oh done? yeah, because I, I did, I did take a few people into private channels that, cause there were certain situations where they needed to be know something. And it, this makes taking someone into a private channel a little bit more fun now, because now it's not just me, okay, you see this, you see this. Now I can really still stay in character in that private channel. Yeah. And I mean, yes, you don't need any of this stuff to you know, have a private channel conversation in Discord, but it just facilitates it so much better. Like, so for example, previously, if I wanted to say, okay, this guy had a perception role and he heard something and I didn't want the other people to do it. Well, I used to have two Discord things running and dragging both Discords in and then dealing, tweaking a player to play something so that that one, that was a lot of stuff I needed to do. Mm. Now I've just got one discord running yeah. out and everything is like the mixer takes care of everything and it feeds it into that one recording on discord. So I, I, I go in there and I take the guy to the other channel. I was like, okay, this is what you hear. And now I just play what he hears. He hears it and I don't have to do anything else. It makes it so much more easier. I don't have to tweak this, don't have to tweak that. It's just, I've already got my ambience at a minimum. The sound effects are at a higher. And we now look at this and say, there's only one more improvement that can be made and that is for Fantasy Ground to- uh, Fix the lighting. With, to come up with their, uh, their new Dynamic version of the interface. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. The, the Unity version of the interface- Really um, fix the bloody will, radio will, will, will end 
yeah. change a whole lot of stuff. That, that will take everything to a whole new level. Because that, that is true. I mean, from a DM point of view, and again, the amount of time that's spent unmasking stuff on a map, on a battle map, so that when you come into a new area, okay, this guy's got 60 foot dark vision, reveal this. Uh, that's such a pain in the butt. It's such a pain in the butt. So, you know, fixing the interface so certain things like that aren't there. And again, it's all about making it more immersive. There's something about it. You can watch a movie and have amazing sound effects and, and all of these things happening around you, the 3D sound, visuals on this huge projector to try to make it more immersive for you as a watcher so that you're trapped into it. But it doesn't change the fact that you're not making decisions. And that's the beauty of role play. Like if role playing is such that get rid of the math, you've got a character, they've got certain abilities, they're a hero, make a decision. And you've got all of the same stuff that you hear, all this ambient music, all these sound effects happening around you. And you, you're making a decision that affects what's going on around you. It's so much more immersive. I mean, it's an old entertainment, but it's new as well because the old entertainment was considered geeks in the basement. It, it seems to me that the sort of thing that we've achieved here is, is the step to when Fantasia came out, which was the, the Disney Fantasia. The Disney Fantasia yeah. was seen as being a massive leap forward. Oh, in, in animation, in, in yeah. In terms of animation. Yeah. And then you come to the Pixar stuff yeah. that they brought out. Yeah. And again, it was this next leap forward oh, yeah, in terms yeah. of, of entertainment and immersement mm -hmm. within within watching something. And everybody came out of those two two leaps forward going, wasn't that amazing? If you go back and look at them now, yeah. in terms of what we look at now, we go, well, that's just normal. That's what we expect. Yeah. But the, the leap at that particular point in time. And when you, as you say, you take the mathematics out of it, you take the complexity of, you take the, the thinking about doing it so that you can just do it and it happens. Take that out of a fantasy ground and take that out of the audio. Yeah. Much, much. Yeah. It still doesn't change the fact that as a player who's playing a barbarian, you do need, you still do need to know that, okay, if, if I go into a rage, what does that allow for me to do? Or what, or uh, I don't know, re re reckless, is, whatever. Yeah. Whatever the raid, the, the barbarian skills are, you still need to know that as a player because you still need to say, I'm going to do this. And when you do that, you trigger something in Fantasy Ground and that affects your battle and, and what happens when you hit or get hit. Okay, mm -hmm. so that's all automated, but you still do need to know that well, the, the, the basics of yes. being a player. But everything and else. Having becomes, it automated makes it easy because oh, yes. you, can, you can actually, you don't have to, how many hit points have I got? Yeah. It's not a challenge. I can yeah. just look at the screen, it'll tell me. Yeah. So I can make my decision then without having to go, what's 32 minus 17? Yeah. yeah. Um, or, 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 you know, I know some people who play druids and they have, they set it up so that when, when they do a wild shape and they change into a bear, they've got it set up so that their stats are automatically adjusted, their hit points are automatically adjusted as an effect. So all they do is they, I turn into, wild, I turn into a bear, Click the effect, boom, all of that's in place, and now they just they just attack. They don't have to think about anything else. They just yeah. now role play it up. Yeah. And and this is just that much more. Role play it up, just make it more immersive. And that's that's what, what's happening now with, with being able to digital mix is just simplifying that to make it more immersive in real time so that uh, you as a player who's sitting there is just this it's all about getting that suspension of belief and throwing it out the window. Or, or no, sorry, making the suspension of belief stronger 
so that you really feel that you're you're a part yeah. of it. Yeah, reality goes out the window. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that that's the the digital mixer, and man, I couldn't hold off not getting excited about making it work. Hello, interwebs. Intermission time. Go grab a coffee. We'll be right back. You, you missed a couple of sessions because certain things were going on and, and this was yeah. your first session back after a couple of weeks of hiatus, which basically means our, our podcast has missed a couple of weeks. So catching up, the guys, they've finally got to the Growling Sanctuary. They found out where to go to get into the Growling Sanctuary. The last two sessions where you were missing were all about getting further into the sanctuary. So they, they started up, they went out through a path and started going into the passage. I should say, going back a bit further, they struggled to figure out how to get down because they got the second piece of the riddle and my God, oh man, they just did not, the, the riddle sounded so, so self-evident. I didn't get the second piece of the no, riddle. No, you didn't because you were missing, unfortunately. <laughs> but it mentions looking at the statue of Bastet because there's a huge statue of Bastet in the, in the city and it's, you know, it, it's overlooking the city. And so it talks about this and it says, you need to, in reverence, get down on your knees and crawl backwards. And so they they thought that, that, that this meant, okay, let's crawl backwards out into the river of the sand. And they know from- They'll get the, washed away. Well, they would get washed away and that there's no bottom. Yeah. As far as they know, they've never found the bottom. So they're like, well, we'll go down the bottom. I think, but you guys remember, Last session, you guys, you couldn't find the bottom. Yeah, we tried, yeah. So why, so then I, I was just like, okay, Oraki has the highest wisdom. So I, I gave her a little bits of more clues, like in Fantasy Grounds, I sent her a few whispers. And like, you think that perhaps this means crawl backwards along the shoreline? And she's like, you know, guys, I think. So she, <laughs> so she played that up and I, I, she does such a brilliant job. Uh, the, the, yeah. The playing Oraki. So eventually they, they figured, okay, we're going to go 50 feet back from the previous place and we're going to go down again. Or no, sorry, it was 100 and some feet back and then we're going to go down. And so, yeah, of course they found it. The entrance this time was in the shape of a cat's eye. It was more difficult to get through. Saber and Oraki tried to be very dexterous in getting through and they were really, really poor. They got some cuts and scrapes coming through. And of course, when the other guys were like, how is it? Oh yeah, we're fine. Super easy. No problem. Come on down. So they all, everybody managed to get down and Cal your Calidus' spell was really starting to wear out. And of course, I completely forgot that Onka, who was Abdul Haq's, one of his underlings that he sent with yeah. you. Well, because she's a wear crocodile, she can hold her breath for 15 minutes. So she can get there. So there was no problem really. Yeah. So everybody got down crawled through this eye entrance and, and they entered this long passageway that was leading up. And uh, I forget who it was. I think maybe it was Calidus, even though you weren't there, noticed that the sand here was kind of moving a bit and it reminded you of the sand from the, the mortuary. mortuary. And so all of a sudden you guys were prepared when all of a sudden two Anubians came out and attacked. Mm -hmm. And there was, there was nothing, there's nothing you, they could have done or said that would have prevented that attack. Yeah. There's, there's things they could have done that might have prevented it, but from the point of view of what you guys did to get in there, 
no, it was, it was bound to happen. Yep. So you guys got attacked and that was pretty much the end of that episode is they just finished that battle getting into the sanctuary and getting to that point was three hours. And then the next bit was, okay, so now they're at, they've gotten past the, the hallway entrance and they're looking at this big spherical room filled with mummies. Yep. And of course, right at the beginning, Elbrum casts detect magic and he can see there's four, four areas where magic is emanating from. And three of those areas seem very, very, very similar to each other in, in, in the, the type of magic that they are. One of those three seems much, much weaker than the other two. And the fourth one is a different type of magic entirely. So that, that's what he was able to figure. And so then they're like, okay, Onka, go do your thing. And so <laughs> she goes, starts going around investigating, revealing more and more of the room. And you got, and they find in the center of the room, there is, it's a pedestal, but I had another name for it that I forgot what it was. But it, basically it was a pillar, like a pillar pedestal that is cut in, it looks like a pillar, but it's only like an altar type height. Yeah. And it, I guess he called me, that's a pedestal. Or there's it's like a Roman pillar, but the top. Yeah. Piece. And so their detect magic was coming. Something was emanating from the top of that, but there was nothing there. Yeah. And so they investigated and they, the, the result of it was that they could see their. No, no, there's nothing there. But they investigated and they could see that there was something on top that was resting on top of that because they could see the a dust outline of something yeah. that had been there, yeah. but was now gone. And that they got the sense that, okay, whatever was there had left its emanations mm -hmm. inside the pillar. And that's what they, they were detecting was something that had been there. So they kept on investigating. And as, as Elbrum was telling Onka, you know, finally there's traps. Go around and do your, your circuit of this room. And so as she was going around, so they, they, they found out the other three. The other three they could see were mummies. Three mummies that looked like, through investigation, they could see gears inside of these mummies. Yeah. And two of them, they could see that the eyes of the two of the mummies were watching them and moving around and watching as they moved around. Now, of course, Saber, the gear force, he's like trying to machine talk to them because he thinks yeah. they must be machines and they're going to respond and blah, blah, blah. And so they won't respond. And the one whose eyes, it was like the eyes were trying to follow, but they were like jerking a bit yeah. because it was broken. And so they realized, they eventually figured out that this one was broken. So Saber's like, I'm going to take it. Cause it's both, all of the three mummies have their arms crossed across their chest and are holding a great sword in, yeah. in their arms. So Saber grabs onto the hands of this thing and he yanks mightily, rolls a 20. So he rips the hands right off of this, this, this mummy and, you know, gears fall out and sand falls out. And you know, he's got this, now he's got this great sword with a couple of hands attached to it still. At that point, they realize this thing is broken. And they realize that over the ages, sand has done it. The other ones, they investigated, but they didn't really investigate. And then, so they were like, okay, Onka, do your circuit. And as Onka started doing the circuit, one of them started to move. And they're like, stop, everybody stop, don't move. They're trying to figure out why this was, and they couldn't figure it out. And eventually, they're like, okay, Onka, keep going. So they're sitting in the center of the chamber near that pillar, yeah. or the, the pedestal, having a, a chat, and they tell Onka to go around. So Onka does a full circuit, and as she does a full circuit, those two remaining come to life, mm -hmm. and they attack immediately. And the one of them, 
Kalanis does this amazing thing. He, he throws out his witch bolt at one of them, successfully hits, and that witch bolt, you know, every round it's doing 1d12 damage on this, this clockwork mummy. And without Kalanis do, doing that, I think that was like a big tide turner between Kalidus and, and Onka because the witch bolt was really, really helping because these mummies, they kept healing every round. They would heal back five hit points. So you needed to have been doing more than five hit points of damage. And Elbrum was trying to do this one. He would hit once and then he'd miss for two rounds and it'd be back up to full health. <laughs> and the one that, that Kalidus hit with the witch bolt, it kept going after Kalidus because he was trying to stop this witch bolt. But Saber and Oraki were smart enough that they kept going in to block it. And Saber did this big slash across it, and the bandages fell, and out came the swarm of scarabs. Just what we needed. Yeah. Elbert was dealing with the other, or Onka was dealing with the other one, and it vomits out a swarm of scarabs. I Earth. assume that once they release the scarabs, they're dead. Or do you then get no the scarabs? scarabs and you get yes, scarabs are totally alive, well. and they're so they attack. Now, because oh. Onka is a were-crocodile, yeah. nothing that these creatures could do, I mean, she would just heal. They would slight hit her, yeah. and then she just healed okay. because she's the were-crocodile. So she was a big tide-turner in this battle, big, big tide-turner, because the creatures couldn't get her. Yeah. And then eventually, though, Oraki got nailed. Kalidus kept running around and just managing to evade getting hit. hit. And, Which and meant the 1d12 keeps on going. kept on going. And eventually it killed the one clockwork. It was that 1d12 eventually killed that clockwork. And then everybody could focus on the other one because Oraki was, although she wasn't getting hit, she was distracting it enough and they were stupid enough that they kept going after her. Yeah. And the, of course the scarabs were uh, bugging, keeping Oraki and Saber busy because they kept trying to take wipe the scarabs off of them because the scarabs would hurt them. Yeah. And of course they would try to smack but whenever they smacked the scarabs, they only killed so many. And of course, they're using piercing weapons or slashing weapons, yeah, which right. are not very effective not against the swarm. Those swarm had them distracted. And then eventually, that one swarm, that one clockwork gets damaged and everybody can focus on the other one. At which point, Saber, Oraki, and Onka were there. And it got fed up with trying to hit Onka. So it went after Oraki and Saber. And smacked Saber. Saber went down, smacked Oraki. Oraki got poisoned and it was a serious poison. It was not just adding the poisoned effect, but she was also getting so much poison damage every turn. Exactly. So you managed to finally do in that last one. Okay. Well that took that battle took the entire three hours mm -hmm. and I, I didn't really give any quarter there. I really, really thought I had them. And again, not because I'm out to try to kill you guys because these were powerful creatures. <clears throat> goes back to the discussions we've had about balancing a party yeah. against an enemy. Yeah. And if you balance it right, the party has to know what they're doing. Otherwise, they will get beaten. Well, and that's how it should be. And near the end, a mummy popped its head out of the sand, very, very similar to the mummy that was dealt with when Calidus was yeah. converting the water-breathing spell. And it taunted them. It was like, yeah, keep coming. Let's see how far you really can get. And then disappeared into the sand. And these guys, at this point, they're like, oh, God, we've got no magic. We are really hurting. Oraki's about to die. And they're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And then as a GM, I kind of like, all right, well, you guys, you're below a metropolis. It's a bloody city. Because they're sitting there thinking, how are we going to heal Oraki? She's going to die. She's going to die. 
And so I, 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 I did help them there because I was just like, come on, guys, use your head. So they exited the, the sanctuary as fast as possible. So by through, that, the, through the same way they came? Yeah, through the same way they came because okay. they, they hadn't discovered anything else. They just came up a tunnel, entered a room. They found two exits to the room, yeah. but they hadn't been able to go any further. And those exits were basically holes in the floor and the river of sand was just flowing by those holes. Wow. So they didn't investigate. They didn't do anything inside that room. They just fled. So they fled, got back up to the city, found a temple, got healed, went back to the tent because, well, this is the day that the ball was supposed to happen. Yeah. They got ahead to the pallet court. So it was that, and that's where we started the last our session, session yesterday was back at the tent and deciding on, do you go to the growling sanctuary? Do you return there? Do you, with that last battle, everybody reached level four. So do you do your long rest to, to get level four or do you go to the ball? And go to the ball. We bought the clothes. We're going to the ball. Absolutely went to the ball. So it sounds like the Growling Sanctuary is not going to be a raging success for us. There's no I way. really, really, and I, I wonder if I played the clockwork mummies wrong because it says that if you cut their wrappings, the scarabs will come out, but it doesn't say that it's just one use. So I was sitting there thinking that, I mean, could they send out swarm after swarm after swarm of these scarabs? And I just thought, my God, there could be like 20 swarms. Yeah. And then what? So I, I wasn't sure. I, I probably need to do a bit more reading on that. But if that's the case, yeah, you guys you probably... But the other thing is, I didn't get anything out of it. Like, like, no, they got like, nothing out of like, it. Like, nothing at all out of it. Learned nothing, found nothing. And of course, when Oraki comes back to the to her tent and she's getting dressed to go to the ballroom, she takes off her her crimson nib armor yeah. and it falls apart. Yeah. That's, that was, I, I, I had fun with that. Just, that's just magic. Yep. Yep. So she got the armor for free. Abdul Haq, he's not like going to go and give her no, no proper half-place. When you put this whole in the, the whole thing in the context of, of, of role playing, that's exactly what he would have done. Absolutely, yeah, I'll, I'll just go down and I'll buy some cheap crap armor and that'll be right for a few bits, and after that she'll die. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. But the nice thing I like about the crimson nib stuff is my thought was it all looks absolutely authentic, but everybody knows it's not going to last. And but it's just so damn cheap. They keep buying it. It does. So, it reminds you of all the $2 stores that you keep buying. Yeah, you know that, okay, how many hits can I take yeah. from this armor? Well, hopefully I can take about 12 hits, and, and that's not bad for, for 20 gold oh, pieces. Yeah. I have a paintbrush, and it's okay. The hairs only fall out every now and again. Yeah. I can pick them out of the paint job. It'll be fine. Well, because typical plate armor is 1,500 gold pieces. Yeah. So being able to buy plate armor for 50 gold pieces that you know is going to only last... 1d12 times is it worth it but it does give you a 17 that's so, the point so, so that, and that yeah. 17 is a you know that's a real plus yeah Take, and throw a shield in with that and you've got a 19 so yeah. and then to me it really becomes up to the dm so like when a dm rolls and he can't hit the ac 17 now if they roll the 15 i might say well it's a glancing blow but you don't get damage from it but he manages to hit your armor whereas if they roll anything yeah. less than say a 13 okay they just then, missed because you you have to sit there and, and and make judgment calls because anything under ac 17 doesn't mean that they they missed damaging you doesn't mean they missed hitting you yeah no right. that's right 
And it does mean that the, the range of Crimson new products now will come with their own modules if we ever get around to doing that part. Yeah, you can buy the cheap crimson dip stuff that will automatically fall apart. Well, and I had or disassemble itself at a particular point in so, time. Of course, we did get to eat at, at the crimson, crimson dip nibbler as well. That's right. So you went to the nibblers. Totally, yes, sight unseen and with absolutely no knowledge of what happens at crimson nibbler. Well, I, I had a kick because we went there. The the guys went. You went and bought like a beef dinner, and those guys are like, "I want the special." So I was just like, "What? You guys bought the specials?" And now, did you plan I, a special or did you well, do that on, on the, the special, No, on the specials, I put a little note about the specials are special. That's why they cost more. <laughs> so I have a table called Mutations. <laughs> and I couldn't believe that both of them rolled a 93. They both rolled, so percentile dice, they both rolled 93. I, it's just phenomenal. So on that, it says that you're all of a sudden you start getting electrical energy at, at your fingertips and you, if you touch something, it'll do 1d10 electrical damage. And so they're like, I'm going to brush this guy. And I was just like, oh, are you? All right, roll melee then. <laughs> and of course, they both rolled crap on melee because I was sitting there so excited to be like, okay, you just gave Elbrum 1d10 electrical damage. And you just gave, but they both rolled like five. And I was just like, all right. So you sparked the guy's chair. But that was good. I mean, and, and now we know that you know, something exciting will happen if you eat the special at the Crimson Nib Shop. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was Although fun. the knowledge, I mean, one of the issues with this, though, is that knowing the special will do things to you. Yeah. Then it becomes, a, do we know if specials are going to be good or bad? Good question. What is it that could you get I, out I of think it? And, and would we avoid taking specials because we know it could be bad? Or would we find out that, okay, 90% of the time you eat the special, you get a plus. And 10% of the time, it's a lemon. You know, and that, and that's, you take it. And then there's the other one of like, yeah. well, there's all the other stuff that you get there. And is there's like, well, if you eat the crimson, you never know what's going to happen. Because I, I, should, I should also put that, is it common knowledge that if you eat the special, there could be something good or bad that happens? But the caveat is that if you do buy the special... You get a discount at the weapons and armor, the Crimson Nib armor and Crimson Nib armor. Oh, so you've got weapons. Yes, you've got the incentive. So given You get the incentive card. We stamp yeah. your card five times, you ate five specials, you get a discount on Yeah. Them. Yeah. So that means that not only can I get poisoned, I can now also buy a sword. <laughs> yeah, for a gold. Incredibly <laughs> cheap because I've got the discount card, but I do know the handle will fall on. And I now have gills. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So. Yeah, so you guys went to the Nibblers and then you headed to the ball and you had received a letter prior to going there with the contracts that you guys had to bring with you about whether or not you were going to volunteer to give blood. So when you arrived, they sent you into the facility. You could hear the ballroom music playing in the background. And at that point, they asked you, are you going to donate? And you, you all decided to, so they sent you yeah, off. Did you actually give them a contract? Was this another one of your... No, I wanted to, but I, I, I just never... I, I was really thinking about writing up a contract, but I just didn't have time. Oh, no, that's so... okay, because I thought you might have given the contract to them in the last session. I don't know what your contracts are like. Yeah. Your contracts are typically... Yes, the standard contract, if you ever do one of these, is that it should be at least five pages long, and everything is boring for the first four pages. And that way, no one ever yeah. reads the fifth page. Yeah. And this particular DM writes fifth pages that you don't want to know about. Yeah, that, that was funny. With, with yeah. the last group. And the the last, last group didn't read the fifth page. Yeah, the last group, there was the, the contract with the GFA 
and what that meant about the goods that you guys reclaimed and you guys didn't read that bit. And the other was, was Jenny had a contract with the, uh, uh, was it with the high priestess Nefrini? I think as, as, as an employee, Jenny read the contract thinking that she could buy whatever she wanted and it would be paid for by the temple of Bastet. And I was just like, no, 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 you, you can, but you need to get, collect a receipt and you have to submit the receipt. And if they deem it a valid then you can. expense, they will reimburse you. Yeah. And he's like, it was just so funny. I mean, Jenny just didn't read that. Or, or I, I know she did read it, but she didn't understand any of the little language <laughs> I, I, I put into it. And I tried to keep it simple. I didn't want to it make was, it look, very it, lawyerish. It was horrendously bad. Wow. And it was like, and, and it was fairly blatant. Five bullet points, really. Yeah, it was fairly blatant that there was yeah. going to be a catch in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, like all standard contracts. It must have come from the Crimson Bib lawyer for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Flog it and run. Oh, yeah, Crimson Bib lawyers. Cr- create Crimson a, fran- a franchise of Crimson Bib lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And then you can have the Crimson Nib accountants, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But still, that was, that was, it was. Anyway, so blood contract. You guys went there. You each decided to donate something. The contract was fairly simple. It was just that if you're going to donate, you can donate so much per month and you must meet what you have signed to donate. Uh, And so at this particular point before the ball, they have everything set up. So the contracts are such that to me, in my point of view from this world's perspective, is that anybody can go to the pallet court Mm -hmm. and sign to voluntarily give up blood at any single point in time and get paid. Yeah, but they have to provide what they they have volunteered yeah. to provide. If they don't, there could be consequences, and that the consequences it are it is a one off. And I mean, that was the thing. About yeah, it. the consequences are unknown. So I know what the consequences are, but players don't, and it's not common knowledge what the consequences are. I'm not quite sure how the player can miss out on that because, like, you go off to donate blood and. If you say you're going to give a hundred mil, you give a hundred mil. If unless you've got no blood in you, in which case you're probably not going to. My, do my, it. my, the way I was thinking about this is that if you filled out a contract and said, "Okay, I'll come back here on such and such a date to give me the donation," mm-hmm. just give me this, and I'm signing a contract saying I just can't do it right <coughs> now. Yeah, maybe I'm sick or something, so you get but paid I will. In advance. Yeah, you yeah. want to get paid in advance, and you're promising to come back. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah. So you got into the ballroom. As soon as you got in there, Calidus is out schmoozing. He is, he's out there looking for someone who will uh, let him know what's going on. And he finds a nice young lady. Named Wen. Named Wen, yeah. And I tell you, I, from the, the, the Pallet Court's point of view, I knew what... There's three main characters that I knew of. Lady Alashra, who is the head of the Pallet Court. And then she's got two cohorts, Ahit and Fatma. So I know their motivations and that's it. In my mind, I was good. I had, okay, Ahit and Fatma would be there. Lady Alasha wouldn't. Anybody else you guys talk to, I had my random NPC yep. generator, which would come up with a name, a race, and just a few little bits about them. So Callus wants to schmooze, roll around the generator. All right, hello, Wen, the female human. <laughs> And then we just played it out. So that was all ad lib. And I I thought, I felt quite confident in doing that because I I have to admit, like, when you get used to using the fantasy graph interface or or using stuff like this so that it's no longer a concern, like the digital mixer. So it's not something that's in your head as. So you just know it's just click here, click here type thing. 
you can really, really focus. And so I, I thought I, I was really focused on, okay, how is Wen going to respond to this stuff? And Wen's responses were good. And it went how we expected it. Yeah. So yeah. She'd been here a lot. Yeah. Interestingly, the pallet court must be running out of money or must be tight because they're not paying as much as they used to. Yeah. So that um, means something. So that means something. Yeah. I'm still at a loss to figure out how the pallet court makes money given they drink everything that they buy. And something to learn. And there are, yeah, and none of the important people ever go there. So, and that, that was the fun part too, was that you're with your conversation with Wen. She'd been there for a year and she'd always been wanting to see Lady Alashra. And Never she's seen. not once seen Lady Alashra. And then all of a sudden, that the whole me throwing in the vizier, I hadn't planned that. <laughs> not at all. I knew who the vizier was in terms of within the city. And I was just like, Okay, so Wen has been looking for a year to be this. Wouldn't it be nice if Wen seen Wen? So I just I lived through the vizier in there, and then what's the vizier doing there? And then of course, okay, well we the have vizier's no there. What he's doing. He comes, he stands, he looks, he lives. Yeah. So of course, I know who the vizier is, and I know what his motivations are. So throwing that in, it just at that moment it started building up a new plot line that I could follow, and so I've got another plot arc that's a possibility, and that's why. All of a sudden, Lady Alashra showed up. And, and when you think we've been talking to this lady, to when, and uh, no one's been there, she's been there for a year, and they've never seen anyone important. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, there are two important people show up. Yeah. And you go, something's definitely wrong. Yeah. You know, or, well, not necessarily wrong, but something's happening. Yeah. Because two people who have never been here before yeah. or who don't get seen yeah. uh, show up. But they didn't address the crowd, which I thought was a bit. Disappointing, we're like, oh, okay, we've arrived here the first time through the vizier will get up there and yeah. he's standing on the balcony, he'll address the crowd and nope, nothing. So there were no giveaways there at all. Yeah, and, and what I liked, what I thought the foreshadowing for me was, <laughs> so he was looking over at the, the other end of the ballroom where Ahit and Fatma were. And then when you guys looked back, Ahit was gone. Yeah. And then not long after that is when Lady Alashra showed up. Yeah. And then there was some other stuff that was going on and Wen got really excited and was kind of peeing her pants. And we don't, and we have like the, the lack of information is annoying. You don't know if there's chaos within the ballot court. Is there an uprising? A, 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 is there a power play going on? Yep. Uh, or is something else? I, I'm looking at this and thinking, okay, well, I didn't expect the Vizier to be here. So therefore I'm guessing it's power play. Could be completely wrong because you think it's pallet court. It'll be Lady Alashra. Yeah. She'll be there. If anyone shows up, it'll be her. And if someone else is there, it's going to be, oh, what's he doing here? Yep. So you've sort of got that. But and to me, that's that, a logical bit of thought. Yeah. I mean, it just makes sense. Why would that happen? Just, yeah. And the, and, but the, the thing that intrigues me is that she never shows up. That's right. And I would have thought that if you were doing this, yeah. if this was your event, that you would show up, if not every time, you would show up at least uh, once a month or something. You yeah. know, it's a regular event yeah. that occurs once a once a week. Let's, yeah, it's just unusual. Once, once a week, it's, it's a once a week affair. Uh, yeah. Every Friday they have the, the ball where they invite all kinds of new people to the town to come. And and it's almost as though it's really, it's it's not so much a, an event as a, it's a blood donation thing. Yeah. They can't yeah. give blood, leave. It's a very um, logical thought. You could park the blood down the caravan out the front, yep. suck the blood out, off we go. So the idea that they call it a ball 
my thinking about that is when you say ball to a bunch of new people, I mean, what are their thoughts? Yeah, if you've never been there before, they go, oh, that'll be nice. I'll well, you guys all wanted to go to the ball. We were all excited and we went out and bought the new clothes. That's we? right. And now we've seen that and going, okay, well, that was a waste of time. But all of a sudden, when you, when you guys see that, you guys wanted to do something, you're like, oh, there's the Vizier, and they showed up, and, and there was chimes in the background, and this means something. And so yeah. you guys were all in action mode going to find out. But before you can do anything, all of a sudden you notice that there's a vampire amongst you guys, and he's just like, you need to come with me. Yeah. So, and that in itself, we did try and get past the guards at one time to you know, just see what was behind. Yeah. Elbrum went up to one of the guards. That's like, right. Yeah, that was not going to go anywhere. Yeah. And I, I randomly <laughs> rolled up and the guard was going to be a furball. And so he walks up and he's just like, oh, one of you guys. And he's just like, can we, can I get back? No. <laughs> You're not getting flat, by. No, it ain't going to happen. Well, why not? Because you're not of the right type. You know, just, so that, that was fun. But I, I, in my mind, having those two show up and then having uh, Heat take you guys to a side room and bring up what she wanted you guys to do, I didn't have most of that planned. But after having the, the Vizier showed up, I started seeing something where I could tie all of that together. And it would take it on another arc. But again, it's all part of... The grand charade. Yeah. Yeah, and look, and, and that was um, getting dragged off into a, into a, another room. Where I got to play with the mixer a bit more. Yeah, where we got to play with the mixer a bit more. And we met another... You met Ahit, so one of the ones Ahit. that was standing at the, at um, the end. And we get given another task. Yes, so she tells you that... She also asked, I mean, and, and I thought to asking the question, she asked the question, why don't you have... A name. <laughs> you don't have a name, you don't have a business card, you don't have a brand, you don't have a... But we know who you are. But we know who you are. And and we, and we it sort of raises the question, do we need a name? Should we have a name? Should we put something over our new building? We did get a new building too. We, yes. Yes. We've, lost, we've lost Daryl. Yeah, Daryl's disappeared. Daryl's disappeared. Talitus's box. Talitus's box is gone and yeah, that's consternation about that. Yep. The scorpion. What we hope is a scorpion dagger is now somewhere else. <laughs> well, Paladus more... has been dreaming about his scorpion yeah. dagger forever. I'm more concerned that Daryl's missing. I mean, Daryl is loyal. It's, yes. It's unlike Daryl to go missing. We sent him off to... Well, wait, wait, wait a minute. So you killed Daryl's brothers. He was destitute about all of a sudden being the remaining the sibling. One. Yeah. And you guys decided he's going to come with you. Well, in fact, you didn't. Sergeant Nanive said take him with you and you guys took him back and then he just kind of to get over his grief he started working as a slave for you guys so you guys all of a sudden had your own slave but we sent him well, I mean and we've been good to him and he likes us I think I think he likes us um, and we send him off with a pocket full of money to go and have a good time find another that's the I think to me the the problem with we run a session every week but and so we've been now playing for two or three months with this group. Yeah. But in real time, it's only been seven, three days six, six, six days, days now. Because we started on July 1st, now it's yeah. it's July 7th, Friday, July 7th. Yeah. And, um, and, yeah. and Daryl's gone off and he's been missing for a day. Is it a day? Yeah, or, or a night? so he was sent off on, I think it was Thursday in the morning is when Elbrum sent him off. Before we went down. Yeah. 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 And he hasn't come back. He hasn't so come back. 
So we put, and you guys gave him some money, told him to go get a massage, and he hasn't come back. And so yes, so we're missing the the box. We're missing the Daryl. And what can all of that mean? And then Oraki comes in, and she's talking to you guys about visions, and she's talking about the wandering prophet, and you guys think that maybe she's talking about the restless prophet, and yeah. None of that makes any sense. And still, you don't really know who Saber so, is other than Karima asked him to help out. Yeah. So that's so, your party. So there's lots of little threads here and there. And, and this time around this past week, I really tried to get back into putting a little bit more on the role-playing stuff of, of Discord. The West March's stuff was just consuming way too much time. And so I really stepped back from that. Uh, I want to make sure that the campaign is got more focus where the whole suspension of, of belief really make it more immersive and stuff like this. So yeah, on the, on the role play channel for that, I've been trying to. The, the campaign itself, I, I think it's going exceptionally well, but there doesn't seem to be any underlying theme to it, like the overthrow of the government. The, what we thought was the underlying the, theme, the underlying yeah. theme being the Tuscali rising up and taking over the city and all that yeah. kind of stuff seems to have disappeared. It's become like it was there on Monday and it's now Friday and we've not heard anything and nothing has been seen. And that's one of the things, you know, that's the thing that you, you know, as the GM, what do you do? Because you know who your villains are and what's going on, but the characters are doing certain things. So what's going on with the villains in the background? Yeah, that's right. It's, it's the villains in the background. And, and if there is an underlying thing of the overthrow of the government and all that kind of stuff, then there is incidents that would be occurring that you would get through the chat that's coming from the town. Yeah. And so things like at the ball, that would be part of the conversation that you would get from them. Yeah. You know, I come here, I give blood this. But you get just the fact that the price has dropped. So there's this financial constraint put upon blood supply. Yep. So at present, it's just it's becoming a series of... They're not, there's, dis- they're not disconnected because they're all they're coming well, from the same people. They're all coming from high art. This is this is the thing too. But we're like, not we're not we're getting the here is your task and here is your task and here is your task. But at present we're not gathering enough information to start to, tying stuff to, together. To start tying and stuff the, together. And the question and is, again, should you be would, tying it together at a low level? Is really your question? Because this, this yeah, was the I, same I, thing. I, with I, the, I guess well, it's a should and a would, isn't it? It's should you be tying it together? We would be trying to time, yeah. type together, get it to make sense. Yeah. Would we be allowed to? The people that are controlling us, and they're not really young, the people that are setting us these tasks certainly wouldn't be telling us. We are far not, too not low until, in the pecking until order. Until a certain level until of trust to, is, yeah. is gained, yeah. right? So, yeah. So it's no, not, I mean, and you ask the right questions. And, I mean, why has the Mount Gold dropped? That's a very good valid question. And I already know that answer, but I'm not saying. Yeah, yeah. And, but this so, is just the same thing. You remember in the first group when nobody was able to put together all these little things that, that were happening around. Cause I kept throwing plot, 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 plot out and nobody could put it together. And all of a sudden when you found the Gamalkan eye and you attuned to it, then all of a sudden, Oh Christ, all, all of this then came together. Like, yeah. Oh, I see what was going on now. Now I see why he kept talking about these things yeah. and now it all ties it together. So to me, that's the same thing. It's like, at certain points, you're going to discover certain things, and then you're like, "Oh fuck yeah, okay, that makes a lot of sense." And we and we're probably in all of the things that we're doing, losing the things that the, what you just said there sort of triggers in me. Oh, hang on a minute. There was the Gromolk and I, and there was the 
uh, statue that goes with it. Yeah. Which again, in the in the context of it's only been four days, is yeah. something that you wouldn't forget. But it's now been two months and kind of like oh, I've forgotten all about that part. But yeah, again, it's well, that's, part of that, the that's, whole. That's the the crappy part is yeah. you know, in real life, so much time passes, but in game time, how much time has passed? And I mean, you can't just gloss over. At points, perhaps you can, mm-hmm. but like you know, for example, you you finish solving the growl, growling sanctuary. How much time might pass before you? find a new adventure and for yeah, me like it, it you know seems, i don't think that i mean the grounding sanctuary doesn't seem to be all solved to me even though i wasn't no, there no it's for it's certain like, for certain yeah, you didn't you there's guys, a room with two holes in it that, that let you fall into the river of sand yep yeah okay so and so for me the question is now it. is okay you know that there was more to it because a head popped out of the sand and it was uh, one of the mummies so when you go back there what is that going to mean? Well, the other question is, if there's no doors or no entrance to it, it's another dead end into the same thing. We've already come through one dead end of the same thing. We yeah. But there were pictures on the wall. I don't know if the guys actually looked at the pictures on the wall to see if there's anything there. But that room seemed, that room with a rock in it seemed to be, it's a room with a rock in it, it seems a bit strange. I would have thought there would be more to it than that. Um, this one is the same. Oh, the yeah, stone that fell from the ceiling. Yeah. 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 So, or perhaps it was something else entirely. Yeah. So what's the what is that? That sort of doesn't make sense. And then the one where the mummies are, you think, okay, round room, no entrances, and no one's going to want to jump down into the river of sand flowing merrily yeah. past. Yep. Yeah. That's that's sort of not. Well, I mean, and, and to me, that like it, it, from the point of view of having some kind of sanctuary within the city that nobody's discovered, well, that makes perfect sense if it's. Got to go through the river of sand to get to it. Yeah. yeah. And at the end of the day, what have you guys encountered since you've been in there? Because the river of sand, it has an effect. So how are these creatures who you found so far not affected? They're all sand creatures living in the river of sand. Yeah. So. Well, a, a few of them are, yeah. For example, that Nubians are for sure. But why aren't the mummies? I have no idea. They're dead. Yes. So yeah, I mean, there, there's there's lots yeah. of little little stories and tying stuff together. Where is it going to take you to and whatnot? And yeah, I I, I know you, you kind of get lost and you're like, wait a minute, where's the Tuscaliness? We're trying to figure out what the Tuscali are, I, and that's for me to make sure is that okay, if the Tuscali are main motivation, you know, what is it that you guys are trying to do yeah. and why? And, we have, and we have come back having donated blood, not in a very good condition, and Adult Huck is going to come after us, going, you got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that's right so what, what is because as soon as you guys left the growling sanctuary Onka I mean she hot footed out of there yeah so so she was your your de facto thief that was lent to you from yeah. Abdul but you didn't get yeah. as far as you as you like so what's going to happen so what's going to happen with so Abdul you, the, the, the other mummy what does that mean vampires are asking you guys to do something do you go back do you take up the vampire cause do you go and see Abdul well, Karima, uh, Karima, Karima, see Karima, and see yeah. Karima this is too we dangerous. At? We're not doing it. <laughs> well, and Karima hasn't asked us to do much, has she? Like we sort She's of, just asked you to find the idol. Yeah, find the idol, and we sort of ended up wandering off after her mate into the, it's the sanctuary. Into, into the that's, sanctuary. Um, that's where her... And that sort of looks all a bit grim, doesn't it? Abel Huck wants us to go into the sanctuary. Yeah, fine. It's, we're not exactly you know, having a raging success in that area at this point in time. And this, this might be one of those things too about, okay, so much time has passed 
is it enough that you guys are not keeping notes and you're forgetting plot things? Like to me, and this might be me telling too much, the pedestal with something clearly missing from that mm. should have some kind of meaning. But now I, 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 I guess after just hearing what you're saying, I wonder if people are forgetting things. Yeah, but in that particular scenario, like there is a pedestal, there's something missing from the pedestal, and then you go, okay, that, that's fine. But uh, they, they came out of that room with nothing. And, and almost as though they came out of that room with no information either. They got well, they just left because of... Oraki was gone. Yeah, yeah. So they so, just spent so no just, time. Yeah, so you've got this, like, we've all bolted out of that. And, that, and, and so you, you're now left with this thing about the spell has to be cast again. They all have to go back down again. But you so know, this is... time around, though, as the wizard, because you've already done the transmutation, now you're not, yeah. you need to be level three to cast it from your spell book, which you're not. Level but... Three. As long as you've got another water breathing spell now, you can readily. Uh, you, yeah, up, I think. you don't have to do the 12 hours anymore. Now you just, any spell of water breathing, you can readily cancel it, cast it as sand breathing as well. Yeah. So, and I think a level four gives me access to that spell. So Does it? Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Right on. It was a level three spell, and, and I think I, I think you might get a level three when you can't level four. I'm not sure. Yeah. But so you've got to go through all that again and, yeah. and, and do the whole thing. But still, yeah. and and then you go back to where you started from. But of course, the, the issue now becomes that like, we don't have any friends from Abdul this time around, nor do we have the crappy armor. What will that be? What is the and so do you go and talk to Abdul and say? I mean, my reaction would be to go and say to Abdul, okay, well, that's a bit of a lemon. Yeah, yeah. I know that's what you wanted. We need to come to an arrangement where we're not going to die because you're going to set wear crocodiles on us. <laughs> um, and again, when you look at the and you look at the negotiation that took place yeah. the last time around, we are in a strong bargaining point in terms of the probability of death is fairly high if we go back. So if we go back, we die, or you kill us. Yeah. So our position is that we're going to die, or we're going to die. Yeah. So really, it's uh, hello, Abdul. Here we are. You can kill us now, kill us later. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> Pretty much, we're dead anyway. Uh, or you can give us the army that we need, so we can go off and do it. Yeah, and whether he's going to come to the party in that. And the other thing too is that she was the thief. She was walking around the outside of the room. Yeah. Did anyone notice if she stole anything, saw anything, found anything? Yeah. If you're all standing in the middle and she's walking around the outside, she yeah. could have found and got whatever it is that he wanted. Yeah. And part of, I guess, part of it is when you go and see everyone, say, "Hey, Abdul," you know. And that's and, and that's, how's it going? He says it's really good. Thank you, guys. You can leave. Well, this, go, okay, clearly he got what he wanted. And we have no idea what it was. Well, and this is one of those things where, at the end of the day, like I know when you miss, you're like, oh god, because that's the thing is, do the other people have they been paying attention enough? Like Oraki can't because she is new to the party, really. Mm-hmm. So what you and Elbrum know, she doesn't know. So. When you're gone, is Elbrum remembering everything? Elbrum's pretty good. I mean, he's definitely a really good role player. But yeah. uh, clearly, when one person is missing from the picture, then some of the questions that need to get asked, they get forgotten. But yeah, those are all excellent questions. And I, I remember sitting there thinking, does Onka go with you guys back to the tent? And I was like, there's no way she would. Everybody, um, and that seems to be, and that's reasonable, isn't it? The, the, the people that we have, had with us. So whoever we had in the coffin when we came out of the mortuary. Yes, that was um, uh, what's her face. Yeah, the one that she, she died because yeah. the the mummy found her and, and killed her. Right. She wasn't coming back to the tent. No. It's like once you get out, 
if you are lucky enough to get out of wherever you are, well, I guess, and you go your own way. And she has, she goes back to her boss. Well, and this is the question. Well, no, she doesn't go back because she's afraid. If she comes back empty-handed, and you, she couldn't get the the ride that you had that you managed to claim, and that was good playing on your part to to get that before she got at it. Right? Remember, you went and you you rolled down while you were laid down and pretended, and you went and got his wallet and took the the rhyme from it from the the dead body. In oh, the yeah, the first part of the yeah. 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 So that's what she wanted, and she couldn't go back empty-handed. So the question for me is: when you're when you encounter someone who is associated with another group, what does it take to turn them? Is it one successful persuasion check? And for me, I, the way I look at it is. They've got a huge backstory. What is their own backstory? Would one persuasion check do it? So you, you get into you get into the you get into the um, almost into this. How is the game played mode? Because when you ask me that yeah. question, I go, "How is the game played mode?" And the answer to me is is based on the logic. You can't actually turn a player. You can't turn an NPC because that means you've then got a DM who has to play the NPC that you just turned on your team, and and that means that for every NPC that you could turn. The number of players on your team will get larger, and the effort you then essentially get a, yeah, a no, DM yeah. playing NPC against NPC. And so there is a practical, there is a, a, a game structure, although that, that makes that very yeah, difficult to yeah, do. Although yeah. when you look at Daryl, see now Daryl has been turned, but well, we hope Daryl has been turned. But um, it, I mean, but he's he's not a part of the team. Part of like the team. He's, he's just like an ancillary dick. Yeah. yeah. So he's off, you know, always doing slavery stuff for you guys. And then there's a question of <laughs> you guys as slaves. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Onka, if you say, well, could you turn Onka? The key to turning people is the that they. What are they, their motivations? They give you a, a hint. They give you some idea that that life sucks, and we saw that in. The well, you, you definitely saw Hakan. that with the cobalt, yeah, Hakan, Hakan and, and, the, yeah. and the prostitute. Oh, yeah, with, with the prostitute because he, yes, Elbrum got whispered that he raped her, yeah, and so you've got this thing that she would turn quite happily against him. Well, and so she was never on his that. side, he captured her with yeah. Rahib, yeah, but there's, there's like, like you get given a yeah. little bit of information yeah. that says that they will turn, yeah, and I, I, I didn't see. So if you wanted to turn one of these NPCs, yeah. you end up with the, the problem is that the piece of information would have to come from them. When we were in the mortuary, yeah. it was abundantly clear that Onka and whoever else was. Richard. Um, oh, no, Onka wasn't in the mortuary. It was just there was, was a rare crocodile with... Um, Weeping, I don't know, what was the girl in black? I can't remember her name now. Anyway, there were two of them. Yeah. And I, um, and it was clear that there's no way in the world that you were going to turn the wear crocodile or the other other person. They would never well, come across. Well, I, I don't know. Like, I think you guys did a really good job with the female because she was starting to consider stuff, but she was still afraid. And that's why when you guys were like, you guys asked her to come, and she was just like, yeah, I'm not sure coming with you guys is wise, but she's definitely not going to go back. But what ended up happening to her yes. is the bloody mummy caught her out because she yeah. was wearing that stupid calling yeah. cat thing. And yeah, so the turning people is yeah, it's a it's a nice to have but a difficult to implement. It, it is, and, and to me, like I I I I thought about you know the question of 
if you guys do a successful persuasion, should that person turn? And I was thinking, yes, but don't make it super, super easy. But at the same time, it's like, it's a game. How difficult should you make it? Players should succeed, but it shouldn't be butter. I would have thought that the persuasion would give you, the persuasion, the first persuasion would give you the feedback that they are not happy where they are, that there is a possibility that they With a good insight as well. Yeah, and then it, yes, and then a good insight would say yes, they're telling us the truth. Yeah, and then you would be able to go and say, well, you do some more stuff, and then you have another conversation with them about, well, yeah. you know, what's it really like, and yeah. what are they doing? Yeah. And and again, the getting them to turn is not so much about getting them to necessarily playing your team, but getting them to let you know what's going on the other side. So, for example, if we could turn our heat, then that would be a case of you know, how's it going? And look. That you bring up, you sort of look at the structure and say, okay, the money's gone down, a heat's there, it looks like there possibly is an overthrow. A heat could be one of the people that could be sacrificed in, in the war. Maybe there's an option to, turn, to talk to her and get information about what it's like yeah. and what's going on. But you'd have to string together a couple of those and then what you'd want is for her to be helping you give her stuff that makes her future more secure. Yeah, yeah. And I think that they're probably looking for a more secure future, not necessarily working for you. It, to know that... So so turning someone from, say, Lady Halasha to Karima yeah. would be, well, you do know that we work for Karima and she's a friend of ours and she can provide you with protection, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. To, to do that rather than to get someone to come and work with you as a And, and, and as it really comes down to where do they sit in that position. So if they're sitting yeah. high up in this thing and they're saying, we'll come across to here, I mean, yeah. either yeah. either they're, they're afraid for their life and they're going to do it or yeah. they got to see that it gives them more something, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you, it, it's, more like it, it's more likely to go the other way where their, yeah. their position is, you know, they're a couple of steps down from the top yeah. and they know that they'll be more secure on the other side if there's impending doom. Kind of well, and, and this is one thing that I, I like with the, the new random NPC generator is that one of the things it gives is it gives you a little bit of their mannerisms, but it gives you a couple of things that gives you a little bit of insight in terms of what their motivations are. So for me, for when, turning when, I had a really good idea what would be, you guys would need mm-hmm. to do to make her come on your side. And it wouldn't be much. For someone like her, it wouldn't be much. No real upside to turning when I would have thought. Uh, uh, other than, they, she, uh, other than just some downtime fun, really. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, that's a really good session. We could probably still go on longer, but that's been an hour. Yep. So we'll wrap it up for here and continue Come back to see what happens next week.